Broadcasting live to the world now. It's Sheila Zelensky. This is a very sinister Luciferian eugenics plan. These spineless weasels preach what people want to hear. They replace repentance with dreams of the good life. Mindless minions. Dying daily, taking up your cross, suffering and sacrificing have been superseded with name it and claim it. as dark as I know it looks out there, the good news is that God is advancing his kingdom. And it's very exciting to be a part of his great commission. It's Sheila Zelensky. Zelensky Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, end time watchwoman, Sheila Zelensky. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this very special February 16th, Monday edition of the Sheila Zelensky Show. I am your host, Sheila Zelensky, and it is a pleasure to be broadcasting around the world today. And big shout out to all the WWCR listeners. Folks, please remember that Steve Quayle is one of my sponsors for airtime for the show, but I'm looking for other sponsors. So if you are interested in advertising your business or product, shoot me an email. My contact info is there at weekendvigilante.com. So again, my sponsors pay the airtime only. And it's important for people to understand that this ministry is 100% listener funded by the audience. So if you are blessed by the show, I have many listeners that have listened to my show for years and have never donated a thing. And if you eat the meat, it is only fair that you do your part, giving as you know, as a kingdom principle. And it takes a lot of work to bring you the best guests and very anointed men and women of God to bless you each and every day. You can donate there at weekendvigilante.com. So please do your part. I want to reiterate that I want you to please follow me on Podomatic. So here is how you do that. Please go to my website, weekendvigilante.com. And right there on the right hand side is a button that says, listen live on Podomatic. Please click there. It'll take you to another page and you simply follow me on Podomatic. And please also join the MixLR chat room during the shows and say hello to other listeners around the globe in the chat room. For smart devices, download the MixLR app, search Weekend Vigilante and listen live from any smart device. Please make a note that this Wednesday I have an amazing guest Daniel Estelin, the author of the renowned book, The Bilderberg Group, and the just-came-out documentary. He is really the reason I do what I do. He was a, His was the first book I read, and it is such a pleasure for me to have Daniel back on the program. So bookmark this Wednesday, folks. Well, speaking of my favorite Daniels, here is another one of my favorites, folks. I have an awesome guest today. Now, if you don't know... Dr. Danny Morano, you are in for an exceptional treat. He is the author of many 
fantastic books, including God is Not Religious and The Sinner's Prayer Gospel. He is a powerful anointed preacher and apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I absolutely have such a profound respect for his bold stance on preaching and teaching the word of God amongst a ubiquitously vapid sea of compromise out there. And let me tell you, he is an awesome guy. He is funny, but he really knows how to teach and preach. Danny, it is kind of a lonely higher calling for people like you and I who refuse to go with the popular message, but rather we take a bold stance on what God calls us to talk about. And it gets people a little riled up sometimes because I know I've been personally blacklisted by many Christians because I talk about the devils in the pulpit and I speak on issues that are not always popular. It's kind of like this, Danny, come on, don't be extreme. Let's all just meet in the middle. No extremism here, Morano. Tone it down, relax, lighten up, don't be extreme. You got to bend a little, Danny. Yes, well, thank you so much for that for that wonderful introduction, Sheila, and uh, I hope I can live up to it. Um, yes, that's the thing. That's the ethos of our culture, and we have to understand that. Uh, just in my last teaching that I did on my show, I got into the roots of that. I won't get into all that here because it's very extensive. But the bottom line is that's the culture that we have today. It's a synthesis, okay? It's There's an equalizing going on all the way, all across the board, and you can espy this in in the actual political machinations that are going on in the, in the political world. You can see that all the empires of the world, so to speak, the nations, the governments, and even the ideologies are being equalized to kind of come to a synthesis, to bring everyone, like you said so well, to a position in the middle where, you know, no one gets offended. That's why you have this whole propaganda, I call it, you know, this double speak, this talk about tolerance and love and don't offend, non-offense. And this has seeped into what I call the counterfeit church system as well, the cultural Christianity of our day, uh, predominantly in the Western cultures and especially in the United States of America and uh, Canada, you know, is that, you know, we have to keep things in the middle, kind of in a gray area where everyone can agree. The greatest sin in the world today is to be the outsider, is to bring up an extreme position. And I mean, it's really quite comical, Sheila, if you think about it, because uh, as everyone has been brainwashed into not only, you know, practicing this from kind of a, um, a place of omission, just being apathetic and letting it happen and, and agreeing with it, but people have actually been so well programmed by this regime, okay, uh, that they're actually, they've actually become evangelists for this, you know? They won't preach the gospel with such fervor, the true gospel, but they'll preach this gospel of, you know, fake love and fake tolerance and non-offense and, you know, the gay agenda and all this business, uh, with the fervor of an evangelist. And the thing is, they don't realize that they've been duped, that they've been taken in by the powers that be and to show the profundity of this blindness, how blinded people have been made. On the other side of the coin, you have such an expression of extreme, radical, terrorist, religious leanings invading the Western cultures. I mean, look what's going on with this Islamic invasion 
And uh, even though, you know, most of us with half a brain don't believe that it was really Islamic terrorists that knocked down the towers, most of the dumbed-down public do still believe that. And so, okay, let's leave that for where it is. If you believe that, then how can you be accepting this, this um, how can I say, this aggressive push for the acceptance of this supposed uh, okay, the terrorist branch of it or not, this supposed religion that brought such destruction to this country just a little over a decade ago and is expressing its hatred and its violence and its murderous heart in Western Europe at the moment. And look, look what just happened in France, how this fatwa was carried out on these journalists and people just because they made a cartoon of this false prophet, Muhammad, uh, you know, and, uh, Look at what's going on and, you know, the demonstrations in Germany as well. And, and Western Europe, in spite of this, is opening its arms. I mean, Angie Merkel just made a statement a couple weeks ago saying we embrace Islam. France has invited this into their borders without restraint. England is totally run over. I mean, you have boroughs in London which are actually taking on Sharia law and being able to practice it. And now in the States, the newest thing that I heard was there's an, uh, an area in Texas or a town in Texas where this has just come out that they are actually practicing Sharia law in their own community. So what an oxymoron, what an irony. There's an L.A. school that's teaching kids Allah is the one true God, and that's actually pretty much being picked up on the mainstream as well. I mean, it is just a sci-fi, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you'd go to you'd go to jail these days if you did that about Jesus Christ, right? That's the joke of this. I mean, to use a bad word, it's not it's not funny. But this is what's going on, and this shows you that this is demonic. This is energized by witchcraft. Uh, even as, remember Paul said in Galatians, who has bewitched you? Okay, and that could be said of this modern, you know, this postmodern culture, culture in the, in the West. Who has bewitched you? I mean, people have just been, uh, dumbified and, and bewitched by this sinister scenario that's going forth. Uh, where on one side, people are so reticent and so docile to take any type of a stand when it comes to any type of Judeo-Christian ethic standpoint, but yet they have been so well brainwashed to turn around and become evangelists for these cultures, okay, that have proven themselves to be hate culture. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been around a gay parade. I don't know if you've ever, you know, taken the opposite position to a gay person, but their tolerance goes out the window right away. I actually had a friend who works for an organization that's uh, supposedly a Christian organization, and I hope she doesn't mind me sharing this. I won't say any names or anything. But the person at the end of their presentation, they have like a chapel hour or whatever, and they showed – I had to be an old Carmen video. Remember Carmen, the uh, the singer? Yeah. Okay, the Christian singer. And at the end of his video, he had a bunch of statements about, you know, America's going to hell in a handbasket, talked about homosexuality and many other things, abortion, so on and so forth. And a person stood up 
and I mean, like a programmed robot stood up and said, I just have to say, I am so offended, and this was offensive, and this is not tolerant. I mean, all the buzzwords. I mean, if you were to to use that as a sound effect, you know, it would just be like buzz, buzz, buzz. Every second word was a buzzword from how people have been programmed with this new rhetoric, this new propaganda from this American postmodern Nazi regime, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing at, at how people have bought into this, and they're just echoing everything that they've been programmed to say. And on the other side, have let go of anything that has any type of Christian background because that's just not in that's not nouveau that's not acceptable that's not tolerant but look this person was stressing tolerance but if i was there i would have stood up and i would have said well listen you don't seem to be very tolerant of that video so here you are preaching tolerance but you are not willing to tolerate this person's viewpoint because it's different than yours so aren't you kind of a hypocrite to stand up and say that we have to be tolerant and be willing to accept other people's viewpoint, yet you're jumping up and decrying this person because their viewpoint is opposite yours. So what they're really saying is you have to be willing to tolerate an immoral, perverted viewpoint, okay, or a foreign religious viewpoint, but you cannot have a viewpoint that has anything to do with what we've understood to be Christian morality. There's not really a strong stance nowadays on Christianity. That is that almost anything, Danny, will seem to pass for spirituality as our postmodern world spirals at warp speed further and further down the abyss into this unabated anarchy. I mean, it's all superficial subjectivity and all morality and common sense are just thrown out to the wolves. And all we have now is sort of this pseudo-spiritual psychobabble. Really, that's masquerading as Christianity. Everybody's kind of going to and fro, lost at sea, and there's just really no bold, firm stance on Christianity. And I love what you said. You said there's all these inspirational sections in Christian bookstores and secular stores. Everyone wants to be inspired. Give me some deep, esoteric, abstract concept, and let me meditate on these deep, esoteric things. But Jesus didn't go into the world and say, okay, let's get inspired. Jesus said, go ye into all the world and, and be tolerant, you know, and go ye into all the world and <laughs> synthesize and make sure that you don't offend. You know, I mean, this is what Jesus preached, right? No, he, he we're told that Jesus, down, right? yeah, well, Jesus said, yes, don't, don't raise your voice. I mean, I don't know if you noticed this lately, Sheila, but if you raise your voice above a certain decibel, you're a hate monger. I mean, if you get passionate about something, people have been programmed and brainwashed right away to take that as hatred. I was watching a movie the other night, the new Kevin Costner movie. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a wonderful movie where this white grandfather wants to have custody of a young mixed girl. Okay, The father was black and the mother was white and the, the mother died and the grandmother died, the two white members of that family and unfortunately in this picture the african-american man was a crack addict and he was not up to being a father for this daughter and uh 
I just love the way the judge, who was also looked like a mixed woman, okay, and she was very pretty, African American, but looked mixed woman, and the way that she spoke, she never raised her voice. You know, everything was like on an even tone. You know, and this is the culture that we're in today: is that you know they're robotizing people, Sheila. They're robotizing people. And yes, everyone has to speak the same thing. I mean, many of your audience may be too young or not intellectual enough to have read George Orwell's 1984. Maybe they saw the movie. The double speak. Uh, but the double speak, and mm. even beyond the double speak, it was a culture of everyone having to be exactly the same. They had to speak the same way, with the same words, dress it up in the same tone. Everything was uniform, okay? And this, uh, you know, this corresponds to the book of Revelation because I, I was just teaching on this where, you know, in order for the false prophet and the Antichrist to bring pretty much the whole world into submission under this one ideology of worship of the beast and, and the harlot system, they're going to have to pretty much neutralize the main power centers of the world. And there's not going to be able to be any strong ideologies uh, because people are going to have to acquiesce to that to that system and submit to it. And, of course, we know that the mark of the beast is the ultimate expression of that submission, right? And that's what people are starting to already be conditioned to do. And the deception of it is, and I'm talking about in the churches too, in the, in the counterfeit churches, people are deceived by these demons, these seducing spirits, to actually believe that this is their own opinion. See, I call it the arrogance of ignorance, all right? People are being trained to become so arrogant about their ignorance, and that pride actually deceives them into believing that they've come up with this stuff on their own. And they don't even realize that this has been pumped into their heads. They've been programmed like computers to spew this vomit out, you know, over and over and over again. You talk to any young person today, for instance, people that aren't gay themselves. But, I mean, they're, they're ready to punch you out if you say that someone is wrong for being gay. Why? Because this is what they've been sold as the gospel to stand up and be brave about. What a disgrace. What a travesty. I've got to tell you a personal example. I had my... 13-year-old son, and I had a friend of mine, she had her 13-year-old son, and we were in Granville Island last summer, and uh, there was a homosexual couple, males, and they were, you know, making out, and I just said, no, that's not going to fly, you need to beat it here, I'm not going to put up with this in front of my son, and we're outside a fish and chip shop waiting to get in. I was stunned at the number of people standing in this lineup, really ticked off people that I would dare tell those two to beat it, and I mean, yeah, I Yeah, but you know what, Sheila, you know what, Sheila, you know what? Light up a cigarette. Uh, man, you will be banned and ready to be thrown into jail. You see how people are conditioned? I mean, think about it. 20 years ago, a person could light up a cigarette in that situation and have no problem. And this gay thing would be, uh, you know, absolutely unspeakable. 
But people have now been programmed the other way around. The worst thing you can do today is smoke even outside of an establishment. I mean, people are so ridiculous. I've seen people 100 feet away from a building light up a cigarette, and these programmed morons will jump down these people's throat about secondhand smoke. And I said, boy, you really lack any type of scientific foundation whatsoever. I mean, don't you see that puff of smoke evaporate after a two-feet radius? Are you really so programmed that that's going to come 100 or 200 feet over to you? But see, it's not about the cigarette. It's not about the smoke. It's That's what they're standing up for. See? Well, you've got these citizen spies that are going to rat people out and zombified public that can't go five minutes without glancing at their phones. You can't even have a conversation with anyone, Danny, because they're too busy glancing at that phone every three seconds. And, you know, it's not bad enough our kids get a steady diet of government indoctrination with, what, 14,000 hours of seat time in this, what I like to call commie core. You know, you've got all these holly weird behavioral placements thrown in the mix. You've got the maniacal establishment. They keep moving the goalposts on what's acceptable. People will put up with anything. These government minions can decide who travels, who works, who buys, sells, lives, dies, procreates. I mean, is this not total enslavement by stealth? People really, Danny, in my opinion, they're being taught to love their servitude. Yes, well, they don't see it as servitude. See, they've been deceived. They're actually deceived into believing that they are an elite. You see, these trappings on the outside, what used to be for the middle class, of course, the middle class, uh, you know, there's a debate whether that even exists anymore. Okay, but the serfdom believes because they're kept busy with these toys and gadgets that they are, you know, part of the 1% in their in their twisted, you know, reality, they think because they have access to all this brainwashing technology at, at a, you know, at a arm length away or a finger, you know, click away, that they are entitled and they are part of kind of a perverted aristocracy, okay, so to speak. But like you're saying, they really are a serfdom. But here's the thing because people have been raped of any type of true spiritual foundation, okay, they don't believe anything. Therefore, they'll fall for anything, okay? Because they believe nothing, they'll tolerate or accept anything. Why? Because they have no standard by which to measure things. See, there, there is no foundation. It's an arbitrary law. I mean, if you think about it, that's really an oxymoron, arbitrary law, because how can something be a law, a fixed standard, if it's arbitrary? And this is the way people live in that type of uh, conundrum where, you know, there's an appearance of a fixed state of affairs, okay, or that boundaries are set, but they're really not. It's kind of a policed lawlessness, if that makes any sense. It's a policed lawlessness. People are deceived into believing that they're independent thinkers, that they have the freedom and license to do anything they want, but the very mechanisms, like you're saying, cell phones, computers, 
all these things that they are glued to, like it's part of their body, and some of them are already trying to make it part of their body, literally, trying to get it plant implanted into their skin, their phones and their chips and everything. Um, but yet the very thing that they think is giving them all this freedom and independence and individuality is actually the mechanism that's being used to police them. To keep them under control. Right. I mean, they are GPSed, right? Whether we believe it or not, your phone does not need to be on. I mean, this is old news, right? Your phone doesn't even need to be on. Not only your GPS, but your phone doesn't need. I mean, they were showing this back in the Matt Damon films over a decade ago. Yeah, when, when he did the Born Ultimatum and all that stuff, how they track people through these cell phones, just if the cell phone is in the person's pocket, even if it's off. And people don't realize that we are living in this Orwellian uh, phantasm that was written about, you know, almost 50 years ago. Well, if the bar has already been lowered to this degree, you know, I mean, if this is our celebrated standard of behavior and attitudes and values, then there's no really height from which we could plummet, can there? Well, uh, there is, unfortunately. And I'll tell you the I'll tell you where the pit lands. The pit lands when uh, you see when you when you have a long period of such arbitrary law. Okay, and Francis Schaeffer thought about this 30 or more years ago in his teachings, okay? When you have lawlessness for such a degree, okay, when you have chaos, right, anarchy for too long, then what happens to the people when that anarchy starts to impose? See, everyone's fine with all this freedom and individualism, and everyone's allowed to do anything they want. Until that anything that they want turns into someone kicking your door down and raping your wife or child and stealing your money and, you know, doing things like that. Now, all of a sudden, wait a second. Now we have boundaries. Now we have barriers. Now we cry out for what, Sheila? Order. So now the Masonic creed comes into play, right? order out of chaos. So this is what the uh, you know the these maniacal manipulators of society do these these uh, you know demonic engineers that are working with the fallen angels and the demons the elite they allow this anarchy to reign to such a point that the people themselves actually cry out for martial law. And here comes the next hero, okay, here comes, you know, that false Christ with a bow in his hand on a white horse, right, that Revelation talks about. Here comes the next Hitler to restore order, and this is the way it works. So that's the low that, that we can reach. I wrote about it in The American Dream, okay? I talked about all these things that we're talking about, and then I shared the dreams and visions that the Lord gave me of a total totalitarian Islamic regime imposing tyranny on the American public. That the Americans, because you mentioned serfdom or slavery, we think of this always as Americans or as, you know, even let's say Western Hemisphere. They think of slavery as, you know, catching black people in a net in the jungles of Africa and throwing them on boats and dragging them across the ocean to a foreign land. 
Okay, but slavery can also happen within the borders of your own land. It can work the other way around through occupation. And that's what the Lord showed me is going to happen in, in the United States of America and perhaps this whole region, this whole North Hemisphere block, which would include Canada, America, and Mexico. It's going to become a region that's going to be policed by the United Nations of America, so to speak. The Lord showed me how it's going to happen, okay? And people are going to submit to this tyranny. They're going to cry out for this order because when chaos starts to take over, when there's riots in the streets, and you see, when I have my selfish desire and you have your selfish desire, and we're both convinced that one of us is going to get what we want, what do we have next? We have violence, Right. And somebody's going to get hurt. And that's when we have the old Darwinian mantra, the survival of the fittest, you know, right. that Hitler and the other dictators employed. And that's what we're going to see here. And so that's the next thing that we're going to see. And notice that these this young generation and I've talked to them and I've seen the lost far away look in their eyes. I talked to a cousin a couple weeks ago whom I started to tell some of the realities and she said, you're scaring me. You're scaring me. When these people get scared and they realize that this licentious living, this lack of law and order, this lack of any type of spirituality or, you know, uh, moral standard brings chaos and death and destruction they're going to cry out for a strong arm. They're going to cry out for restraint. They're going to cry out for boundaries. They're going to look for order in their lives. This is why young, a lot of young people who have formerly been involved in drug addiction and promiscuity and all kind of crazy stuff, uh, they go to another extreme, like the pendulum. They swing from one side of the spectrum to the other, and they'll go and join a very legislated, strict cult, right? They'll leave this total kind of free love and, you know, even what you had back in the 60s, all that stuff. And they'll go and they'll join a cult that's so regimented, almost like a military, or they'll go into the military, right? These young people that are going into the military, they're not getting drafted. Why are they going into the military? For two reasons. One, of course, is economic and existential. They're slaves, like you said, and they're willing to take the mark of the beast first to make sure they have, so to speak, three hots and a cot, right? They have all their stuff taken care of. You know, the, the, the slave master take good care of the slave. You know, we, we don't understand that, Sheila. A master take good care of me. I, you know, when they came with them, emancipation is papers. You know, and they told me uh, my ass could be free. I said, no, I, you know, massa treat me good. You know, massa give me a good life. So you got to understand people. And he even gave you Obamacare too, so, and a cell phone. That's right. That's right. You know, so you got to understand that, you know, if I had that slave mentality, uh, I'm looking for that security. The second part of it is I'm looking for the security whether, you know, is gay and is open and is, you know, wild and free and the rest of it that I want to act like I really am. When my butts get scared, I want some security. 
I want to know there's somebody protecting me, someone who's got things under control. So at some point when it gets real scary, I'm willing to submit to a strict code. I'll even be willing, listen good now, because they have this in other countries. If you've been to Israel, you know about this real well. I'll even submit to curfews. I'll make sure that I like go to the club before 12 and, and like I'm home by 12. If I'm afraid that I'm going to get raped on the streets or I'm going to get killed or I'm going to see. So this is what happens. They'll join a cult. They'll join the military. They'll submit to any type of governmental tyranny because ultimately it's about my, you know, well-being, my protection, and then the luxury of my enjoyment, my pleasure, my perversion. We should really embrace Islam, though. After all, shouldn't we really be promoting Chrislam? I mean, come on, Dan. You've got Rick Warren out there promoting Chrislam. You've got Kenneth Copeland and others. I mean, last year in 2014, it was a sci-fi to see this big delegation of evangelicals. They were led by Kenneth Copeland, James Robinson. They were meeting with Pope Francis at the Vatican. The meeting was set up by Bishop Tony Palmer, who mysteriously died. But they, you know, this group made a formal statement and they said this meeting was a miracle. You can actually look up Fort Worth Star Telegram. You can put that in a search engine and look up what Robinson said. He said, this is something that God wants his arm around. He wants his Christians united. He wants Christians and all these other religions of the world being united. And that is really quite staggering that you're really seeing, Danny, the groundwork being laid for a one world religion. And this is prophecy on fire in the world right now. I mean, Pope Francis has hosted a series of interfaith gatherings at the Vatican. And and we even saw for the first time, and I never thought I'd live to see the day that we saw Muslim prayers being given in the pulpit for the first time in history. Biblical Christianity is being scrapped in the contemporary church, and yet Spiritual unity, that's really the, that's the buzzword, isn't it? And it's all really prophesied in scripture as the world moves mock speed to the coming one world religion of the Antichrist. Yes, that's a luxury of a spoiled Western mindset. And this is where we show ourselves to be so foolish and gullible. You know, I saw the video of this Rick Warren standing up addressing all these uh, scarved people, okay? And they were sitting there patiently listening to his lily-livered compromise and his welcoming them and embracing them. And you see, but what he doesn't understand, which my buddy Terry Cook brings out so well in his writings and his teachings, he's a real hoot. I think you've had him on. Terry's I love, yeah, I Terry's love Terry. <laughs> Terry just brings it right out. And, you know, he says, you don't understand. These people don't think. What you're thinking, you, you fag. They're not sitting out there thinking all these gay thoughts you have and all these liberal open mind. They didn't grow up in your sissy ivory halls of collegiate fake university and everything else. Okay. That's why the communists used to laugh. The communists used to laugh at their at their useful idiots over here in the Western world on the university campuses preaching, you know, Marxist socialism and communism. You know, they they went hysterical laughing at that because they, it's a totally different mindset. This is not a an academic 
masturbation for these people who are really about this uh, regime of communism or Islam. or the, These people are serious. And I was looking out, and a lot of them were even women, and I saw the cloaked hatred even behind the eyes of these women. What this clown doesn't realize is they're sitting out there, and they only look at him, and they hear one word. Do you know what it is? Infidel. He's an infidel. He can be a nice infidel. He can be a well-dressed infidel. He can be a soft-spoken infidel. He can be accommodating infidel, a welcome committee infidel. But just let these people get to the fulfillment of what their masters sent them forth into the world to proselytize for. And you're going to find out, okay, let's get real. How, I mean, go watch Schindler's List. Go watch some movies about the Nazi concentration camps. And watch what happened to these Jews, these turncoat Jews, who tried to play to the Nazis and serve the Nazis against their own people. The Nazis used them up like that, and they would let, and turn around and shoot them. Before they shot the other people. Look at it. Go to the scriptures and look at Judas. The story of Judas. And you can, you know, flaunt that fake gospel of Judas around all you want. But the real story is this. Judas betrayed the master. But what happened in the end? He was discarded. He disqualified himself from God's kingdom. And these priests, they had no respect for him. Remember, they had no respect for him. He was finally driven to suicide because there was no future for him. And that's the same that's going to happen with these Judists. They can they can um, assist this Islamic terror. They can assist all these other things that are going on. But when these people come into power, they're not coming from the same cloth, pal. They're not here to write books and give seminars, okay, and make uh, liberal films about things. They're here to dominate. Islam is to dominate. What does Islam mean? Submission. Isn't Islam that peaceful religion, Danny? Well, yes, and Allah's the all-merciful. We see it in the news every week how all-merciful this God is, and how peaceful these people are. Yeah, Islam is peaceful. A piece of a body here, a piece of a body there. You know, it's all how you spell the word peace, okay? But that is Islam's history. That is Islam's undeniable history. Okay, you're going to come back to me that, yes, that's also a part of the history of the counterfeit church. But I stress to you, that's the counterfeit church. That was a counterfeit Christianity, and I teach this very strongly, and I hope your people will understand me now when I tell them this. When Christianity, this counterfeit Christianity, took up the sword in Christ's name, okay, and slaughtered through the Crusades, through the Inquisitions, through the witch hunts, through the persecutions of the Protestants, whatever it may be, this was a departure from the ideology, the teaching and preaching, the lifestyle, and the example of their Lord. Okay, Jesus was a man of peace who preached peace, 
who spoke against violence. He's the one who said, put up your sword, Peter. Told the first pope to put his sword away, okay? Put up your sword because he who lives by the sword dies by the sword. So we have to understand that when supposed Christians, first of all, they were not true Christians. If you listen to my teaching on the, the counterfeit church, you'll get all the background on that, cultural Christianity versus true scriptural Christianity. This was Christian in name, but not Christian in heart. They were not transformed men. But even so, when the Christian institution took up the sword to, with force and aggression, uh, push their empire forward, this was a departure from the teaching of the scriptures. This was a departure from the Christian faith, what Jesus taught and practiced and what the apostles taught and practiced. The difference here with Islam is the taking up of the sword is not a departure from their religion. It is an exposition and a demonstration of their founder's belief and practice. Muhammad was a warmonger. He was a man of the sword. Okay, he expanded his kingdom of Islam with the power of the sword. When when the patriarch was asked in the East or Eastern Orthodox Church uh, about Islam, he said, "How can I believe that a religion has supernatural origins when it is propagated by the edge of a sword?" Back in the seventh uh, or eighth century, when Islam was just starting and starting to take over the the you know the Eastern Orthodox churches, okay. So Christianity understood back then, at Islam's infancy, at its genesis, that Islam was an aggressive religion. It was a religion of the sword. I mean, look at their emblem. Their emblem even has the sword. Whenever they have flags, they have a sword. They always have a weapon in their hand. But that is not a departure from their, so to speak, statement of faith, because the Quran itself and the hadiths themselves preach that Islam is to be furthered by all means possible. And again, I mentioned Terry Cook. He brings this out really well. Just like the Satanists and the communists and other false elite systems preach, even if deception is necessary, deception is admirable and acceptable if it promotes the cause. And Islam has the same tenet in their faith. So when these guys, these imams, okay, are standing up and talking to you about peace, remember what's in their mind. What's in their mind is bring the infidel into submission by any means necessary. If you can do it by soft power, in other words, by velvet jihad, do it. If the resistance is there and you're in the position to overpower, then bring it by hard power. Bring it by iron jihad. And that is real Islam. That's not real Christianity. Well, you're right. Deception is ubiquitous. It's it's incredible. I mean, look at Second Timothy tells us for the time is coming when people will not tolerate endure sound and wholesome instruction or doctrine, but they have itching ears for something pleasing and gratifying and satisfying. I mean, really, think about the state of the church today, Danny, where all these misguided believers, they don't even believe in tongues or healing or miracles or apostles or prophets or even really 
biblical inspiration. They reject the church founding Holy Spirit ministry according to the word of God and they replace it with their faithless opinions and yet they'll compromise with the spirit of this age and it really begs the question will these unbelievers hear those faithful words of our master at the judgment seat when he divides the sheep from the goat because Matthew seven twenty one tells us depart from me you workers of iniquity I never knew you I mean isn't that just a stunning thought Yes, well, goats goats eat trash. I've been to India and I've watched them walk through the streets, and they they don't eat anything that would appeal to us. Absolutely not, or what cows would eat, you know, or lambs or sheep would eat. They like to feed on trash. That's why you know people don't like to eat goat meat because they know what goats eat. Okay, and these goat believers they like to feed on the trash of regurgitated psychobabble. Okay. And, and all this cathartic stuff that's coming out of the, you know, the world system and the false religions. And it's just transformed into Christianese. And then not even anymore, because even the people in the church today, they don't even have enough scriptural orientation or foundation that they would even understand Christianese. So now it's just coming in straight in, you know, just straight in psychobabble language. And understood that it's spirituality and it's no different than, than anything. I mean, you can speak the same way on Oprah as you can speak in Joel Osteen's church or many of these other places. But here's the trick, getting back to the other side of the sword, okay? It's a double-edged sword, right? The Word of God is a two-edged sword, so let's use the other side of it tonight. These These poor deceived goat believers, they again believe that when this violent religion from its origin birthed by the sword we just talked about it when they take over they're going to be ruling by the same soft velvet glove that they're going to be up there spouting off ideology and speaking psychobabble and spiritual concepts and keys and laws and principles and the 10 steps to islam people have no idea What's being preached in the mosques? I just saw it again the other day that this guy, they found his uh, transcript or whatever, what he's preaching in the mosque. They're not into all this soft stuff. I mean, they may give you the 10 steps about how to blow yourself up and everyone else in the building. They might have 10 steps for that. But these people are not about all this soft-spoken stuff. What did God say about Ishmael? God prophesied about Ishmael, okay, and what we have as the Bible. Ishmael was the first character in the Bible to be named and to be described as to what his nature would be. What did he say about Ishmael, which we know today is mainly his descendants are the Arabs and some other peoples from that region, and the majority of those people have come under the demonic covering of Islam. He said he will be like a wild ass who will be at war and vengeful and striking out at all his brothers and all his neighbors. That will be his nature. Okay, so that's the nature of the womb that this religion has come out of. Okay, and there's also a spirit of jealousy that people don't understand. Why does Islam hate the Jew so much that, as the Quran says, okay, this religion of peace, and supposedly Muhammad received 
these peaceful words directly from the angel Gabriel, the same angel that went to Mary and said, you shall be with child by the Holy Spirit and you shall bring forth the Messiah. This same angel supposedly, right, uh, transmitted this message to Muhammad in the Quran. And it says, if you find a Jew hiding behind a tree, kill him, slay him, chop his head off. Why does why does Islam hate the Jews so much? Why does Islam hate the Christians so much? Okay? Even though these are people of the book on one side, okay, another hypocrisy, another double speak, okay? On one side these are people of the book and they should be respected, but if you find one hiding behind a tree, kill him. All right? This is the Quran now. I'm not talking about Osama bin Laden's novel. I'm talking about the Quran. Okay, the holy book, supposedly, which came from God and was transmitted by the angel Gibral, Gabriel. Okay, so this is the religion that we're talking about. Why? Why do they have this attitude? Because they're jealous. What happened to Ishmael? We're getting a little deeper here. What happened to Ishmael? He was kicked out of the camp, right? When Sarah realized that this was a mistake to have this Egyptian woman mixed together with her husband and create this hybrid. Okay, This was not God's will. God was going to bring a pure seed, Isaac, through their reproduction. But because of lack of faith, we are dealing with this, you know, 5,000 years later, we're dealing with this same mess. Uh, that happened 4,500 years later, whatever, we're dealing with the same mess from the mistake of Abraham's listening to his wife who had no faith. And so that produced Ishmael. Ishmael was kicked out of the camp, and Ishmael's jealous. He wants back in the camp. He deserves the birthright. You see that? But because we don't know anything about you know, the history of these things, because the church is only into prospering and being blessed. And, you know, in the beginning, Jesus created the, the United States of America in apostasy. We don't know anything about the scriptures. We don't know about the genesis of these cultures and where they came from. But this is where Ishmael came from. The nature has not changed. Now, the difference with Christianity, of course, is that we are told in the New Testament that we can be transformed, that we can receive a new nature, right? Jesus told Nicodemus we could be born again from on high of the Holy Spirit, like you just mentioned a few minutes ago. We can receive a new nature, which is created in the image of Christ, to combat that old, wicked, violent, deceitful, jealous, lying hateful nature of the old man. But Islam has no such transformation. You can convert to Islam, but you're still made of the same old sinful fallen nature that you were before you converted to Islam. And most people that are Islamic are born into Islam. They don't convert. Only idiots in the West who can't find a purpose for their empty, self-absorbed lives, but mostly these poor souls, and, and I want to stress this because I'm speaking very strongly. You know, God loves the Islamic people, and I love the Islamic people because Jesus is in me. The Holy Spirit is in me. I love the people, but just like I say about Roman Catholicism and, and everything else, Protestantism too, 
all right? And seeker-friendlyism and emergentism and BSism and all of it. I love the people, okay? But these are doctrines of demons and seducing spirits. I do not love demons. I do not love fallen angels. I do not love Satanile. He made a mess of this planet. He screwed up our lives. And he made us live in this chaos, in disorder, in misery, and torture until Jesus comes back. So I have no love for the fallen angels and for the demons and for the Nephilim or the hybrids or the transhumans. But I do love these people. And my prayer is that and, – and I had the privilege, and I want to say this so – you know, you don't get a bunch of hate emails about how much I hate Muslims and I don't love people. All right. I had the privilege and honor of leading many Muslims from Iran, from Iraq, from Kosovo, from Serbia, from Africa to the Lord Jesus Christ, baptized them in my own bathtub and saw a few of them baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. So Muslims are not beyond reach and god loves the muslims he loves the people but god hates the demonic system of this fallen angel that posed as gabriel supposedly and dictated this filth called the quran to muhammad if that's really what happened okay maybe the liar just made it up however it happened it's not of god but god does still love the Muslim people, and the most we can do now, as Paul says, let us try to snatch some from the fire, even if we come out of it smelling like smoke ourselves. Absolutely. Very good teaching. In the waning moments, Danny, what really is important for the listeners out there listening tonight, especially if they're backslidden or they've fallen away or they're just kind of, you know, they don't really believe in the Holy Spirit. They want to little bit of a lukewarm, dumbed-down, light Christianity thing. What do you have to say to those people out there that are, you know, they're kind of just sitting on the fence tonight? Well, I would say to them, those that are married, for instance, how many of them are in miserable, lukewarm marriages? As Dr. Phil would say, how's that working for you? Do they enjoy that kind of love, that kind of commitment, someone who's just there but is not really engaged, is not intimate, is not passionate? You know, our God is an intimate and a passionate God. He's a romantic. He didn't create man because he needed man. God didn't need man. The Godhead was completely fulfilled within themselves. You know, like it says in Proverbs, a threefold cord is not easily broken. They were complete in their oneness as three. They didn't need man, okay? But God created man, and I say man, mankind, I mean man and woman, to share his love with. That's the reason. He wanted to share his love. He wanted to share his glory. He wanted someone to love on. You know, when I look at my kids, and I'm going through it because I got some kids in adolescence now, don't like the fact that I told them that their behavior is less than becoming right now. And they want to be, you know, estranged from me and make me the bad guy. And this is what we do with God, you know. But it breaks my heart as a father. Because all I want to do is love on them. I want to hold them on my arms. I want to squeeze them and kiss on them. And, you know, I'm very, very passionate with my kids. I just, you know, to the point where my kids can't take it anymore. I kiss them up so much. I love them so much. And this is the way God is with us. 
And it breaks God's heart. Think about this, what Jesus went through to open that door again, to have that veil be torn where the presence of God would be available to mankind again. And I want to remind people, you know, Revelation 3.20 is not a Baptist evangelistic scripture for sinners. It's an invitation from the Lord Jesus Christ to his own body, his own individual believers in his body. He says, listen, I'm standing outside of the door of your heart knocking. If any man hears me knocking or hears my voice saying, come and love me and let me love you and opens the door of his heart, I will come into him and I will break bread with him. And he will break bread with me. See, this is what we lost, Sheila. This is what we lost in the garden. We didn't lose a religion. We didn't even lose Christianity. We didn't lose a distant form or ceremony to come before God to get him to give us things that we want reluctantly. We lost an intimate, passionate love affair with our creator. And this is what he wants to restore to every person who will Open their hearts to him. So I say to those who call themselves Christians, judge yourself by that definition and ask yourself, am I really born again? Amen, Danny. Well, you ended on a perfect note, and it's always enjoyable to have you on the program. Thank you for coming on tonight, Danny. Thank you very much. Folks, Danny's info is linked there at WeCanVigilante.com. Get Danny's books and support his ministry. Check out his show, Amazing Teaching. Folks, thank you for tuning in tonight. Tune in every day from 6 to 7 Eastern right here on WWCR. Good night and God bless. The Sheila Zielinski Show is sponsored by SteveQuayle.com, offering a wide variety of products, links, headlines, and information for the end times. Order Steve's new book, Little Creatures, by visiting stevequail.com. Dare to discover, learn, prepare, and be amazed. What would it mean to you if you could have more energy, less joint and muscle discomfort, faster recovery from exercise, better sleep, sharper mental focus, a stronger immune system, less inflammation, a slower aging process, and a higher quality of life. Your body makes its own miracle molecule that can give you all of the above and more. It just couldn't make enough of it until now. Max International introduces a groundbreaking nutritional supplement called Celgevity that offers unsurpassed glutathione production. Glutathione is one of the most vital antioxidants in the entire human body. These miracle capsules can turn back the clock, helping you feel and look much younger. Sheila Zielinski takes Celgevity, and it is one of the most powerful anti-aging, anti-inflammatory supplements that she has ever experienced. And Dr. Don Colbert, New York Times best-selling author of Toxic Relief, agrees with her. And the best part? It's Chuck Norris approved. He says they are life-changing. Take a listen. Hi, I'm Chuck Norris. Do you believe this lie? That this is as good as it's going to get? That you're never going to feel better than you feel right now? Well, don't believe that. No matter what your life is like right now, I'm telling you, your life can get a lot better. The company is Max International. Their patented breakthrough nutritional products are truly life-changing. 
taking this supplement just might make a new you. Visit WeekendVigilante.com and click on Look Younger in 30 Days, Guaranteed. You will be glad you did. Guaranteed.